Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is J-A-E-F.foundation. I'm excited about this series. We are going to be talking about probably two of the most important unseen realms, and yet they are the focal point of our being and existence. And we are going to explore how these two unseen realms affect each other to move the things that we see with our natural eyes. I think this is going to be epic. The first one is the quantum faith realm, a conduit for the spirit realm. The second is the quantum physics realm. Now, we're all familiar with the word physics, and I'm going to assume that at some point during your school life, you studied about physics. Now, lucky for you, there won't be any take-home assignments after listening to this podcast. Anyways, we all know that our natural world, or this physical world that we live in, is governed by natural law. That is, laws of physics. Like the law of gravity, or the law of lift that enables you to fly across the world, and so forth. Now, there is an interesting subject within physics that has emerged. It's called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. And it has turned the whole physics world on its head. It has turned the whole physics world upside down. Why is that so? Because it operates contrary to the laws of classical physics that we have grown accustomed to. What makes quantum physics really interesting is that it operates very similar to how things operate in the spirit realm, that is, in the kingdom of God. What do we know? Turns out Jesus' miracles, such as walking on water, weren't just myths and fables. So we are going to explore these two realms and see how they feed off of each other because our lives are directly affected by each one of them. Now, if you've listened to one of our series called Science is God's Playground, you've probably heard me make this statement. There are two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm. The spirit realm is cause and the natural realm is effects, hence cause and effects. So in this series, we are going to connect the main force in the spirit realm called faith or quantum faith and its cousin from the unseen physics world called quantum or quantum physics. This will show us how this notion of cause and effects comes into play, how the physical world runs on top of the spirit realm and how they are always constantly interacting with each other. We're talking about something you can't possibly see, but it is what makes up everything in the universe. I mean, can you explain photons to me? Do you see photons in the room? Do you see photons when you go outside? Those are subatomic particles of light. And yet these things are at every
everyday life in sunlight, everything we see that's light is made up of the quantum realm. And when you look at a table and it looks solid, you're gonna put a book on it or your cup of coffee on it, it looks solid, but it's really not solid. There's space between the atoms. There's space between the, the nucleus of the atom and the electrons. So if you could really see on the quantum level, you would see that that table is not at all solid. And secondly, and most exciting, is you would see that it's moving. That table is not sitting still. It's moving. There's a vibration of particles, and that is the quantum world, and we interact with it every day. Well, everything God created is full of life. Everything God created is full of life. How could he create anything that is not full of life? So just as I talked about the tabletop, if you could see on the quantum level, it's not dead, it's not static, there's a vibrating frequency there, there's movement, there's life there. And so here we are, we're alive, I think you'd acknowledge that, and we are interacting with everything in this world that is also alive. It is full of life. And so our relationship with all the things in the world that are alive are determined by what we say about it, what we think about it, our perception of it. And so we are life interacting with all of God's creation that's full of life. There's a parallel plane in the realm of the spirit. The spirit world is the unseen world, what we can't see. And yet everything we do see was created from the unseen realm. There was nothing seen when God said, let there be light. There was nothing, there was not light. God is a spirit. So he spoke spirit words and spirit words created matter. It formed the world, it formed the hills, the mountains, it formed everything we see here in life. All matter is created by the spirit realm. And in the realm of the spirit, you know, we, we talk about angels, we can't see them. And yet in a parallel plane, they are there, they are operating. In one famous incident in the Old Testament, the prophet asked that the eyes of his servant be opened. And he saw that there were horses and chariots and angels everywhere. So if our eyes were open right now, we could see in the realm of the spirit and see angels and spirit beings, horses, whatever that God has created there. And yet we can't see it with our physical eye. The spirit realm operates on a different frequency. And we have no instrument in our physical body to see into that realm unless God opens our eyes through a gift of the Spirit. And then we're enabled to see into that invisible realm that is real, exists, and guess what? The Spirit realm will never perish, it will never die. God created man and woman, and what? In His image and in His likeness to do what? to have authority over the earth, to have dominion over the earth, to rule and reign, how? In the same way God created it, through their words.
you for tuning in to the pre-show. Welcome back to episode three of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. Now, in our last episode, we talked about, it was an episode of perspective. We asked the question, why wouldn't billionaire so-and-so solve world hunger and instead choose to do something like exploration, you know, go to space? Why would they choose to spend their fortune on going to space or build the metaverse? And remember, I say that all human beings, everything that we do, who we are and so forth is from the answers or beliefs that we have about these three questions. Why am I here? And it's two cousins. Question one is why am I here? Question number two is where did we come from or how did we get here? And then question number three, what happens after here? Where do I go when I die? Now, personally, with more biblical understanding, I like to rephrase question number three to read, where does my spirit go after it leaves my body? Because I now understand that physical death or death of the body just means your spirit leaving your physical body. Think of it like this. Our physical bodies are like space suits. To go out, to go to outer space, you need a space suit. Likewise, to come into this planet we call Earth, you need an Earth suit to be able to operate in the natural realm. So our physical bodies are just like space suits. So when you die, your, your spirit just leaves your Earth suit. Anyway, so all human beings, whether they realize it or not, are always in their own little worlds of influence, whether your circle of influence stops within your house or it extends to work or to government, politics, national, worldwide, you name it. All of us are moving our life pieces with tethers attached to the belief system we have around those three questions. Why am I here? Where did we come from? Or how did we get here? And the third one, what happens after here? What happens, you know, where do I go when I die? So I say that the questions that keep Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or any billionaire up at night isn't solving wild hunger. Now, I'm sure this could be a concern, but there is a deeper concern. And that concern is finding out the true meaning of life. Now, to some people, this might cross their minds, but it's not the focal point. And why is that? They've resolved to just go with the flow. But something really important is if you had no bills to worry about, payments, and, 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 and if your nine to five was optional, those three questions start to haunt you. The reason you might not think that those questions are driving your motives, like your beliefs about why am I here? Where did we come from? And what happens? Where do I go when I die? The reason you might not see that playing at the forefront and, and it's because there's like an urgency 
in your life. You know, you've got bills to worry about. You've got a nine to five. You've got all these kind of the, like the life pressures. And, and right now we know that in society, one of the most common pressures is financial pressure, you know, inflation and all of these things. So especially with the last two years, a lot of people not working. So the current financial pressure might cause the essence or the urgency of those three questions to kind of be playing in the background. But I'm pretty sure if you sit down at the end of your day and you put your feet up and you just have that moment of, hmm, you know, you have, you know, we, we all have those moments where, you know, you could be drinking a cup of coffee or just having you know, a glass of juice or whatever, whatever your beverage of choice is. And you just put your feet up at the end of a long day. And those questions always come around. You always start to wonder, why am I here? Like, where did we come from? Like, sometimes you feel like this because it feels like we, this thing called life feels like we were thrown in the middle of a movie that had that has already started. Sometimes it feels like that for me. It feels like this is like scene number 10 and there's like nine scenes that have already happened. So these questions do come up. When you have those quiet moments of life, where you, you're pondering about your life and you're putting everything in perspective, you're saying, is my job really satisfying my destiny? Like, is my job the thing that I was born to do? Um, is this person the person I'm supposed to be with? Where am I here? What's going to happen when I die? Like, what happens to all of this thing called life? So when those pressures are alleviated, a person like a billionaire those things now come to the to the to to, to the forefront. They be, they start to haunt you, cause as I said, we wish we wish solving wild hunger was the thing that was driving most people insane. But as I said, billionaires have already eclipsed the normal pressures of life. So now these three questions put everything else in the rear view mirror because. All of your life will never be complete until a day comes when we will know all the whys, even after you die. Like there's, there's a completeness that has to come to life. And I think all of us deep down, we kind of know that, that there's got to be a day of reckoning when you kind of, now, whether you're a believer in uh, things like um, the afterlife, again, this is Curious Corner, so... Um, you know, I personally believe that they, they, there is a day of reckoning when kind of like the, the, the books will be balanced out, assets, liabilities, and, and everything, however you want to call it. Scripture says every man shall have to stand in front of God and give account for every work that they did, good or bad. So, but there's going to be a day when all everything will make sense. At least that's what I believe, that there'll be a day when you'll be like, hmm, now I know why that happened. Now I know why that happened. I mean, there's just a big question mark. Even people who don't believe in God, I mean, it is in there. There's a question that you ask yourself, you say, there's got to be a day, or at least you wish there is a day where answers will be provided for all the whys of life. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? So, but like, as we're saying, 
to other people who see it as the focal point of existence, you know, why, why am I here? Where do we come from? What happens? Where do I go when I die? They make every decision through this lens. They will spend every last dollar just trying to get a satisfactory answer to those three questions. And ironically, they will starve trying to find this answer. And I use the example to say, I mentioned the story of how Elon Musk spent every penny of his fortune of about, it was about $200 million. Um, it was a fortune at that uh, a company that he was involved in, PayPal. There's about six founders when they sold PayPal. His, his piece of that pie of that purchase was about $200 million. And he spent every penny of it on building rockets. I mean, down to the last penny. And if the last attempt didn't work out, his company, SpaceX, wouldn't have gotten the $1 billion deal from NASA to start building rockets. So basically, he would have gone bankrupt. So when you ask the question, well, someone who, who if, if, if he didn't do it then and put his $200 million on the line to go into space exploration, what makes you think that him or other billionaires, that there's got to be a reason why. As I say, I, I for one, I always like to find out why, why is this person thinking like that before I judge him. Now, I am not judging Elon Musk for, for where he puts his money. I'm not. But I'm just trying to explain to someone that might be wondering because you see all these arguments happening on social media and it always seems like every billionaire net worth, every counter argument is, Oh man, if, if, if you'll just put that money towards solving wild hunger, but you have to ask yourself, this is not the first billionaire. How come no billionaire has ever come across and said, I am turning over all my fortune to solve wild hunger. There's gotta be something that we do not know. There's gotta be a reason that drives people to make such a decision that to someone who's not a billionaire, might even be irrational because you're thinking it looks like it's the obvious decision or choice to make but then they don't do it and another billionaire enters the, the the books and they don't do it and another one enters and they don't do it i mean there's over a thousand billionaires in the world right now you know why don't they just all get onto a zoom call and say okay everybody we're gonna put you know, everybody bring a hundred million, you know, bring a hundred million dollars. Let's, let's get this whole thing done with. Why, why isn't that happening? So for me, my argument or what I believe is the reason of those three questions is this, once the pressures of life are in the rear view mirror, the questions that are embedded within your DNA come out to the forefront and they drive every decision that you make. Now, So again, I said our world today is shaped by how different people or a group of people think or believe about those three questions. It is absolutely true. Our world today is shaped by how different people or a group of people think or believe about those three questions. What are the questions? Why am I here? Where did we come from? What happens after here? Meaning, where do I go? when I die. So as an example, if I believe that this show called life is over, when you take your last breath, 
my life will totally be driven by a different GPS coordinate from someone who believes that our earthly existence is just a slice of the bigger part of life. Someone who doesn't believe in the afterlife or in eternity or in paradise, as some people call it, their, the outcome of their life is very different than how, how they do things from someone who believes in those things. You know, it, it's totally different. So that's another evidence that the world is shaped and our individual lives are shaped by the answers we have to those three questions. Now, for instance, another example, people with terminal illnesses who have been given a certain uh, amount of time to live, they make totally different decisions from those who don't have this caveat. You know, it's, it's amazing when you listen to stories, you know, someone say they have six months to live. It's almost like the, they focus on the most important things of their life and everything else falls in the rear view mirror. So these were some of the things that uh, we were talking about in, in the last episode. Then also we say that uh, pictures and words are what we believe, uh, pictures and words and what we believe about them shape our entire existence. So this, this uh, you'll see why this is very important because pictures and words and what we believe about them also shape our entire existence. Now, quantum physics is discovering what the Bible, the word of God, has always said to be true. This, this is why this is called quantum faith meets quantum physics. Because all through the word of God, the Bible, we see a universe created by words and basically prophecies being made by words and those prophecies altering the courses of life like a word is said a prophetic word is said like 300 years before like let me say the bath of christ and like he will ride on a donkey and all of those things and somehow that word has so much power that it guides everything between when that prophetic word is released to when it actually happens that that's how it actually happens and you know this again this is not far-fetched you know people even who, again people who these people who don't believe in god but who believe in the power of positive confession you know uh, speak it into existence as some people like to often say just you know speaking into existence and and you can see this even on social media people saying uh re-recording their tweets you know someone said something like one day i will be on the red carpet or one day i will win a grammy or one day i will work for this company and three four years down the line it happens so wh where do these things come from like this is not just ethereal and like just coincidence no it, it happens so many times that we cannot just say it's, an, it's a coincidence. Things in our universe don't just happen. 
there's a reason as to why things happen now. If you're not aware, if you don't know this, these two realms that we exist in between. We live in the physical realm, the natural world that we that we contact with our five senses. But there is there is a spirit realm. The spirit realm is the parent world. It's what drives the physical world we're in. The spirit realm is the cause. And then the world we live in is the effects. So you have cause and effects. Now, the way things happen is power. There's, there's word energy. When you release words from your mouth, there's energy. The, the words that you speak and the force of faith or belief behind them has a different energy. It has a different frequency that attracts that thing. It sets something in motion. Again, how come you can you can detonate a bomb and a loud blast a couple miles away can cause windows in a building to shatter why is that the sound when we speak words when you open your mouth and you speak words there is word energy those words have these, these, these a force that has been created in them. They're not just empty words. That's why uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible is so, um, it just always emphasizes this thing. It's like death and life are in the power of the tongue. So these, these word energy, your words have energy. There's a force when you release them. You know, if, if you say, I'm going to be this, I will be this, it carries a different energy and frequency of attraction versus saying, I can't do this. I will not do this. I am not this. I will never be this. Some words, because of the the energy in them, it uplifts you. The other words that you speak of, I can't do this. I will never do this. I, I am not able to do this. They bring you down. They change your countenance. They, they already affect you. They change your mood. So you cannot say that there's no energy in words. You cannot say that the, voice, the words that we articulate with our mouth, that there's no creative force behind them. So this, this is what we're seeing today. And so another thing that we, we spoke about was that all technology is all technology being invented today is either to preserve our past, explore our future and discover our origin. Again, it goes back to those three questions. Why am I here? Where did we come from? How did we get here? And the third one being, what happens after here? What happens when I die? So it's, it's also a very interesting correlation that all technology right now that is being invented today, I'll say more than 90%, is either to preserve our past explore our future 
or discover our origin. Basically, the beginning, the middle, or the current, and the future, or the end. So another interesting question uh, point that I brought up was, you know, when we give birth to kids, Yes, kids are fun. Kids, you know, it's on the surface, it looks like, yes, we just want to have kids around. But again, there's, there's a responsibility within our DNA when we give birth to kids because deep down we feel that we have an inherent, we have an inherent duty to pass on the baton to someone to find the answers to these questions. It's almost like a responsibility. It's just the way that life is, you know, our forefathers, you know, great, 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 grand, you know, they they explored, they they migrated to different locations, and then they ran out of time, you know, they died, but then they, they had kids, not just for fun, pleasure, whatever, but there was an inherent, an inherent duty to say, okay, I gotta pass on the baton to someone else with my thought process, with my understanding, with what I've learned, I got to pass me down through someone else to continue fighting the race. I mean, why would you, how would you explain when parents become very disappointed if their kids don't turn out to be like they hoped they would? If you grow up and, and you are totally, and, you, and your kids are like, you know, you brought them up to be faithful, to be people of integrity, morality, hard workers, passionate about things, love, character, integrity, and then your kids just completely turn out to be the opposite. It's always a disappointing thing for parents. Why? Because they feel like they have nobody to carry and to carry forward their nature, this, this, this DNA, their character, the, everything that they have learned in their life, it feels wasted that it's just going to stop with them. But if they, if they have a son, if they have a daughter who turns out to be like them, it's very encouraging. You know, they can go to the grave extremely happy and say, I've done my part. I've taught my son, I've taught my daughter the things that were passed down to me from my grandfather, from my grandmother. That's so life just doesn't happen. So we are getting behind the wise, you know, just like science is discovering with this new field of quantum physics that, hey, maybe the things that Jesus taught were not just rara. They were not just spiritual uh, mythology. So that is some of what we discussed about in the, that's a recap. That's a very, very good long recap. Those are some of the things that we discussed about in the last episode. So today we're still talking about quantum faith and quantum physics. So we're still talking about quantum faith and quantum physics. And the question it's a rhetorical question, is why is this fascinating? Why should this subject be, whether for everyone, 
because you know how is it possible that the faith principles that Jesus taught in the Bible make sense when looked at from the lens of quantum physics? You know, I think this subject is fascinating because for the longest time we have this divide between a biblical, I'm not going to say religion, because yes, some you would say maybe religion and science as it's common, commonly called, but there's a lot of religions out there. I'm talking about the Bible. That's that's my focus right now, because if you really do your homework, you'll see that all other religions are actually what kind of like different chapters within the Bible. Like they, it's all taken out of there. So you might say I'm biased because I'm a Christian, but you know I think I've I've really taken time to study other books and and, and find out that uh, all these other religions they quote the Bible. The Bible is the only book that doesn't quote itself. Anyways. What I'm trying to say is, how is it possible that the faith principles that Jesus taught in the Bible make sense when looked at from the lens of quantum physics? And for me, it's very interesting because now, all of a sudden, we have a bridge between people in the science world, physicists that never even really believed in God or in any of the biblical principles, and even people who are Christians or believe in God that are, that are believers in Jesus Christ, because for the longest time, Christians just believed, but they didn't have really an, an understanding as to why the things they believed, you know, how do these things even work? Like, is there like a, a reasoning behind them? Is it possible? Or so for me, it's, it's really fascinating that these two worlds, they, there is a bridge, you know, I just really feel that. Quantum physics is finally caught up because a lot of things that the Bible told us, now the scientists are finding out, oh, I guess that stuff was true. So this series really helps us make sense of, 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 of this discussion. I think it's very important. You know, our world has governing principles. Our planet has governing principles. Our galaxy has governing principles. And likewise, the universe also has governing principles. Again, things don't just happen. Uh, there's a new phrase I've picked up. It's called rara. You'll hear me use it a lot. Things don't just happen. Things just don't rara. You know, like, so scientists, and I'm a scientist, but I'm also Christian. I believe in God. So but there's also a lot of scientists who believe in God. So this is not to say that there's, you know, and actually the majority of the first century scientists, if you really go do your homework, you realize that a lot of the early, early scientists were believers in God. But of course, there's been a divide that has just been growing and growing. But if you actually go back to the original, a lot of the principles that we use today, the fundamentals of, of science and physics were actually laid, were actually uh, laid by scientists who believed in God. You know, Einstein himself was a believer in God. You can go look up some of his quotations about God. So, but scientists and, and most people, the ones who don't believe in God, always snickered 
of the Bible. They perceived that the principles Jesus taught were just rara. You know, they believed and said and, and still say that the miracles we read from the Bible have no fundamental basis, that they have no fundamental ground to stand on, so you can't believe them, and hence this great divide between theism and science. Now, this new understanding that's coming out of the research from quantum physics is confounding them because now they are seeing that there is something called quantum physics that operates outside classical physics understanding. And so they're all asking, how can this be? So they were classical physicists, you know, the, the common principles that all of us might understand today, you know, like gravity, that's classical physics. But now, even within the domain of physics, a new field now comes up called quantum physics, and it's confounding the classical physicists. And they're saying, how can this be? So for me, this is, for, this is the fascination. One, one very interesting point to make is when Jesus walked um, when Jesus walked the earth, you know, Jesus taught faith, which we are calling quantum faith for the purpose of this series. But I'm sure he understood the quantum physics principles behind these things. But you see, Jesus didn't come to teach science and physics. John 3, 6 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, I mean, God already there tells you his mission. God is clearly in the business of saving souls, not teaching physics and science. Why? God is clearly in the business of saving souls and not teaching physics and science. Why? Someone might ask. It's because his original plan for human existence was disrupted by a prideful angel who once upon a time lived in heaven. Before he became Satan, he was called Lucifer, and he was one of the archangels of heaven. So um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know this story. Lucifer disrupted God's original plan. He was one of the archangels. In fact, he was the one in charge of worship and praise. So if you're really ever surprised, again, the, things don't just happen. Our culture today, if you're wondering about the kind of music and entertainment that you see out there, and it always feels like there's a lot of uh, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, demonic showcasing, Basically, you listen to music and like, this is just not good. I mean, again, this is just like a side, little mini side journey. Our culture today is being corrupted by the music and entertainment that we have out there. It is corrupting people's minds. But why, why of all things is it entertainment? Why is it music? Why is it not sports? Why is it not... Uh, why is why is it specifically through this thing called music and entertainment? Well, it's because 
the spirit that is influencing the music that we make today, the entertainment, and why all lasciviousness, why all, uh, you know, there's a lot of immorality that comes through music. There's a lot of mental corruption that comes through music. It goes back to the beginning. Satan, the spirit behind this, he was Lucifer. He was an archangel. And he was in charge of praise and worship in heaven. He was the guy. In fact, he was one of, if not the most beautiful created creature. The scripture says, it's absolutely clear, is that he was ordained. He was so beautiful. He was beautifully created. But, of course, pride took over and he wanted to ascend to the throne of God. He said, I will ascend to the holy mountain of God and be like the most high. So, again, so, anyways, Satan disrupted God's plan. But we can see where the gift that he was blessed with at the beginning when he was created, which is music and entertainment, you can clearly see that that has come down and corrupted human beings that is right now that is satan's uh main way of 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 kind of influencing that's one of the main ways in which he he really evades which is music and entertainment so if you're ever wondering why music seems like it's it's just going off the rails and entertainment and all this lasciviousness and and uh, everything like the decaying that you, you will see from the entertainment world, that's the reason behind there. So anyways, so Lucifer disrupted God's original plan. So God has a more pressing need to serve the souls that he created than sending his son Jesus to teach us physics, science, and medicine. There's so many scriptures that say, that talk about the, how the wisdom of God is infinite. Says the wisdom of God is beyond searching. Who can understand his thoughts? They are infinite. So this is also very interesting. When the apostle Saint John says in the Gospel of John that he says that if all things were recorded that Jesus said and did, the world could not contain it. In fact, this is how it reads exactly. This is John chapter 1, verse 25. And it says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one of them, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. There are also many other things which Jesus did, if they should be all recorded one by one in detail. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain, have room for the books that would be written. For me, that's mind-blowing. I mean, Jesus could have spent his time teaching us physics and science and that could have amounted to too many books. Then he would have had to have uh, lecture lecture rooms for medicine, and the same thing would have happened. Too many books, and then he would have had to do the same thing for law, for agriculture. So, 
again, this is this is probably also turning out to be another like perspective episode because we're still laying the ground before we can fully grasp what does quantum faith mean? What does quantum physics mean? What is this realm of all possibilities? Before we can really understand how we can even tap into the realm of all possibilities in our lives, what I'm doing is laying some kind of foundation. I'm trying to kind of map the territory around within which we're going to think and construct whatever theories, whatever understanding and reasoning we, we are able to, to, to come up with. So this, this is, this is going to keep getting more, uh, you will appreciate where we're going. But right now, this is also fascinating to me, by the way, because a lot of these things sometimes, um, I, I, um, the revelation is coming as, as I'm, you know, as I'm preparing the scripts and things like that. So there's a lot of fascinating that I, I sometimes have to go back and actually read and listen to these things because some of the things are fascinating. So when I was asking, well, with all this knowledge that we need right now, you know, understanding, you know, we have physics, medicine, and all the innovations that are happening, it really helps to, someone might be saying, well, why didn't God write a book about that? Why didn't God write a book about that? Why did he just leave the Bible? As I said at the beginning, is this life feels like we are on in the middle of a movie. So we arrive on the scene, but so many things have happened before us. So it begs to then ask yourself, well, if God is all knowing, if he knows all the answers, why would he just, why would his approach be to send Jesus to teach us this and not teach us that? And like I was saying is that God's initial plan was disrupted. Lucifer disrupted God's initial plan. So God has a more pressing need to serve the souls he created than sending his son to teach us physics, science, and medicine. So when Jesus walked the earth, a lot of the things he was just doing and he was telling people, believe it. He's saying, believe me, this works. Just believe it and you'll receive it. And most of the times, we're so tuned, we've grown up in a logical and reasoning way of thinking and approaching life that we need to have all our answers answered, all our questions answered before we can even make a move. So that's also interesting. That's that's coming up in, in, in a few moments. So now we know also the, the, the scripture tells us that there were so many other things that Jesus did and if they should all be recorded one by one in detail. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain or have room for the books that would be written. So, you know, Jesus could have left, left us a book on like physics and science or medicine or agriculture, all these things. But also, that means, I also believe that there is a beauty in exploration and discovery. I think God is proud of us when we discover the things of the universe. It, because to us, we've never seen it. To him, he's already seen it. So it's it's kind of like when you set up a treasure hunt 
you know, with like your kids and you already know what's in the treasure hunt and you already know where they are. But there's a beauty when your kids go and discover those things. There's a beauty in that. That's what life is about. There's a beauty in discovery and exploration. So think about a book like the Bible, even because we're talking about why, well, why didn't Jesus like leave all these other books? Why didn't he teach all these other things? Well, think about a book like the Bible. A lot of Christians can't even argue on some of the basics of the Bible. We all have the same Bible, the same textbook, so to say, but it has resulted in different Christian sects. So that, that's an explanation itself. You can see how this has turned out. We have one book, all of us, everybody calls themselves a Christian, even not a Christian who has read the Bible. It's one book. But my goodness, the amount of disagreement that has come, not because of the book, but because of our misunderstanding of the book. So think about it. If there was 10 other books that we had to go through, imagine the chaos that would be on this planet. But I'm sure there are some instances where Jesus went into more detail and did more explanations and went into more detail. But as the Apostle John says in the Gospel of John, is that if everything Jesus said was written, we would have innumerable books. So you can even imagine, we can't argue on the, we, we can't agree on the Bible. So what if we had 10 other books? You know, there'll be a lot of chaos here. So then it, it helps us understand that Jesus couldn't win or God's strategy and saying, let me focus on souls and salvation. It just couldn't cover all bases of our reasoning because if Jesus came to teach principles like physics and science and medicine and ignored the truth of our spiritual lives and of, of everlasting life and eternity, then what? I think would be so logical minded. We will be such logical minded robots that we'd be so empty. We'd never know where these feelings and emotions come from. We'll never have the full purpose and meaning of life. Would never have seen, think about the beauty of the woman who was caught in adultery and, and, and people bring and, say, and they throw her in front of Jesus and they say, Master, according to the law, it says if we catch an adultery, we're supposed to stone her to death. And Jesus stoops down and writes on some stones. And then he says, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. And then you see that happening again with the, uh, uh, with the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. You see, we, we got to experience and see empathy that we had never experienced in this world from a savior, from someone, whether you just want to look at him as someone who had just, who was just a moral authority or like a prophet, if you don't believe that he was a son of God, nonetheless, there's some lessons that we learn from the Bible, the, the, the good Samaritan. You know, the, the, all of these stories of empathy, these stories, the parable of the sower, the parable of talents, there's beauty 
you know, if Jesus's approach was more natural and appealing to reason, we'd miss out on love, on joy, on peace, on all these other intangible attributes of existence. Most times what people forget is that the glue in between the logic and reasoning is compassion. Yes, you can have, you can put a team of rockstar engineers together and put a mission in front of them. But I'm telling you, they will not achieve that vision or goal if they are only operating on logic and reasoning. The glue in between the logic and the reasoning is compassion, it's care, it's love, it's forgiveness, it's understanding, it's contentment. They complete the picture of existence. That's what separates or should separate and will always be the differentiator between humans and robots. The human intangibles, you can, I think artificial intelligence is going to have a lot of good things for us. You know, and robots that are able to do some of the, some of the nasty hazardous works that human beings have to do. I'm, I'm excited for that. But these human intangibles that can never be duplicated, like empathy, it, it's different. It, it, it's just different. Love and affection, it's just different. So these, these were created and will always remain within the human species. You see, when God created living things, when he created, when he, when he came to creating man, he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. That was his approach. We were created in God's image and likeness. So there's certain intangibles that human beings can pass on to each other that animals can't. You know, they have a lower level of affection. And, and you know, we always say, they'll say uh, a dog is man's best friend. And you can see that as well. You know, animals can do that. And, and may I even say, robots will never have the emotional intelligence um, of animals. I'm not saying about ability, being able to run, being able to multiply, subtract. And, and I know artificial intelligence and machine learning are, you know, they're quickly starting and are able to duplicate human behavior. But there's, there's that fine line. There's, there's a divide. There's always be a divide between a human being and, and a machine. And robots can also... They will, I don't think there will ever be a robot that you can feel, even just using a dog, that you can feel the same emotion and, you know, that, that understanding, that intuitiveness, how you can look at your dog, let's say if you are in pain and, and let's say your dog is almost trying to communicate that I know, sorry, you know, that I don't believe robots will ever be able to do that. It, it's there's just a uniqueness. It's all because God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. So 
All this to say that Jesus was damned if he did and damned if he didn't. Damned if he taught physics and science and damned if he didn't. And I mean, let's just even look at uh, just regarding what he taught. You know, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, his own disciples didn't believe the first reports that came in. In fact, Thomas, who is nicknamed Doubting Thomas, said, unless I touch the holes in his hands and, and his side, I won't believe. So basically what I'm trying to say is that God's strategy couldn't really cover all bases of human reasoning and logic. Something had to give. And his main focus right now is saving souls. That was why Jesus came to work this planet. So our fascination in quantum faith meets quantum physics should come from the understanding that the principles taught by Jesus on how to deal with our natural and physical world and environment today aren't baseless. It isn't just rara. And in fact, there is some biblical evidence, a lot of scripture that talks about the understanding behind the world's being created and formulated. So let's dive into that in the next episode. In the next episode, we're going to talk about why our fascination in quantum faith meets quantum physics should come from the understanding that the principles taught by Jesus on how to deal with our natural and physical world and environment today aren't baseless. It isn't just rara. In fact, Proverbs and so many other scriptures talk about, they give us some insight and background on the insight into our planet, our galaxy and universe. Thank you for tuning in and see you on the next episode. Scientists say, well, there's only in this realm, there's only possibilities and probabilities. What does that sound like? Jesus said, all things are possible to them that believe. The infinite possibilities based on your belief, on your words, on your intent, that subatomic particle knowing the intent, what they're measuring, they're gonna measure the energy of it or the position of it or the, how does it know what they're looking for? It responds to the observer and all of life Everything in this life responds to us individually in the same manner. I've heard people, you know, they get mad at their cell phone and says, this stupid thing, this is the worst cell phone I've ever had. Sure enough, it gets worse and worse until finally they have to replace it. What is that cell phone made out of? It's made out of atoms. It's made out of subatomic particles. Your cell phone is listening to you in more ways than one. If you're cursing your cell phone by saying, this is the worst thing I've ever had, it's going to obey you at some point. You say, well, it's always been bad. Yes, and the more you say it, the worse it gets. So you have a relationship with that cell phone. You've got a relationship with your car. Now, when I start talking about relationships like that, people look at me and like, what are you talking about? 
I have a relationship with my spouse, I have a relationship with my child, but you also have a relationship with everything in your life. This chair, your car, your cell phone, everything is related to you in your life and how you perceive it and how you react to it and speak to it creates a dynamic that is either great or not so great. And so when you're talking about the quantum realm, you're talking about the realm of all possibilities. The most important thing we can do is take the limits off of God. Unleash the power of God. Unleash the unlimited possibilities that are available that God's given us in His Word. We are building on a firm foundation that Jesus set for us and told us about. We have to act on what we know we absolutely have to be open to new things, new ideas, and listening to the infinite possibilities the Holy Spirit gives us. So we choose what we create. And now, what do we do? Do we speak God's Word? What do we say? We face those choices every day in our life. What are we going to say? This was episode three of this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In the next episode, we'll continue building the relationship between quantum faith and quantum physics. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. They said he could walk on water. Just grab, right just grab.